podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. We would like to thank all our listeners for their support. Please subscribe and keep listening to our podcast. Uh, Do spread the word about our podcast uh, with your cricket-loving friends. You can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any uh, of these uh, podcasting platforms. Just look for Armchair Cricket Podcast and you'll be able to find us there quite easily. Uh, Do not forget to leave your feedback uh, and also, if possible, a five-star rating if you like our podcast. Your uh, feedback, you know, is very important for us to uh, help improve and also, you know, uh, contribute uh, a lot more. Uh, It will help us a lot. Um, You can write to us by uh, email. Our email address is armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. You can uh, usually find us online there on Twitter when there is an ongoing match. Um, You can join us for a banter. Uh, We also have a Facebook page. Uh, You can look out for uh, periodic quizzes and polls um, and, you know, have some fun if you can take part in those. Um, You can find all this information in the description uh, uh, box below. Um, So look forward to, you know, uh, your support. Now, having said all this, uh, I would like to welcome uh, my co-host, Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing? Hi, Giri. I'm doing good. Uh, it's been a, you know, a little bit of an up and down week for me. I've I've been a bit uh, sick, but I'm recovering now. How about sorry. you? Well, uh, sorry to hear that you were sick. I hope it's getting better. Um, yeah, it's more of the same over here. Um, the weekend was not so good, you know, especially with uh, Ferrari having such a troubled uh, end to the race at Bahrain. I don't know if you're following following Formula One, but it was a tragic uh, race for them. They were leading right. at some point and then uh, they lost it towards the end. Uh, but no. apart from that, things are okay, I guess. Okay. Uh, no, nah, I didn't. I didn't really follow that one. But okay. Uh, so I was following our own tragedy, uh, the RCB story. <laughs> The season of IPO. But, uh, well, before we get into that, maybe we can quickly take a look at the trivia question from the last week, right? Mm-hmm. So, the trivia question from the last week was, who is the only centurion for Bangladesh at Cricket World Cups, right? Cricket ODI World Cups. So, the answer to this question, well, I, I was looking forward to a few more, you know, uh, maybe answers on Twitter or on Facebook, but uh, I didn't get any right answers or we didn't see any right answers. So the answer we are looking for is Mahmudullah, right? Uh, the Bangladeshi middle order maestro, Mahmudullah, who uh, hit two hundreds uh, in a matter of four days. So the first hundred was on 9th March and the second 13th March in 2015 World Cup, right? The first one he scored against England, the second one against New Zealand. And uh, basically, he's the only centurion. These were the only two instances of a Bangladeshi scoring a hundred in the World Cup. So these are the only, let's say, centuries. Therefore, the correct answer is Mahmudullah. 
Uh, okay, so I would again, of course, encourage all our uh, listeners to, you know, listen to our question that we will give out at the end of this episode and, uh, you know, tweet in your answer or write in your answer on Facebook or on any platform that you use. So uh, on top of the regular platforms like, you know, Podbean, we also have CastBox now. So you can also reach us through CastBox. So you can also use that as an opportunity to interact with us, right? All right, then. Now let's move on to the... Uh, well, the IPL highlights of the week. So the most important thing or the main thing that I would like to discuss, considering we're both, you know, from the same region, uh, some some of uh, RCB's travels are a bit painful to witness. Giri, what do you think? Yeah, it's a more of, it's a case of more of, uh, you know, RCB Elidiapa. <laughs> wow. I don't know really? if they're turned up. Uh, it yeah. looks like uh, it's, it's a horrible start to their season. They've lost four on the trot now. Uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. what's in store. Um, RCB has been, you know, a consistently underperforming team over mm-hmm. all these seasons. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I think they had one team which made it to the finals. I think it was played even in uh, South Africa, if I'm not wrong, maybe yeah. 10, 11 years ago. And I think yeah. Neil Kumble was the captain back then. Uh-huh. And there was another uh, set of players who made it to the final. I think three years ago, if I'm not wrong, under Kohli's captaincy. Yeah. Where they lost out, I believe, to Sunrisers. Right. Um, and apart from that, you, you you don't really get to see a lot of uh, spirited uh, you know performance in any of their matches. They seem to be uh, lackluster mm-hmm. uh, and downbeat. If, even if you read Virat Kohli's uh, you know on-field uh, expressions, it doesn't seem you know it doesn't seem like he's enjoying this. It's agonizing, I know, because the team is not doing well. But yeah, I don't know. Where, where do they go from here? Up or yeah. down? <laughs> Nah, it's it's a <clears throat> it's a very tough question because uh, you know I was just looking through some of their records uh, over the you know twelve seasons of RC, you know RCB's records. It, it's a bit painful. It's very painful to read. Let's be put it like this because they've had let's say six captains over the years, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, this match, today's match that uh, you know RCB lost to Rajasthan Royals was Virat Kohli's hundredth as a captain of RCB. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I mean, he has a win percentage of 46, right? And uh, <clears throat> it, it's it's not very good. Kumble and uh, Vettori are the only two skippers who have a 50-plus, you know, percentage uh, victory. Outside of that, every other captain has struggled. You had Kevin Peterson, who captained for six matches. Shane Watson, who's captained for three matches. But anybody who's done a reasonable, reasonable number of matches, mm. uh, they have... They've never had a good percentage. So if you look at the, I mean, I don't think I need to go into the season by season, as you say, you know, analysis. It's it's not particularly good one because mm-hmm. um, if if we were to compare it to somebody like I don't know um, Chennai Super Kings, right? Mm-hmm. It would be a marked contrast, I would say, because uh, when you look at them and how they have been faring, right? Uh, I'm just now checking the list of captains for Chennai Super Kings. Well, surprisingly, there are only two people, as you can imagine. It's Dhoni and Rana. And Rana did four matches. So mm-hmm. from their inception, you can imagine there's only one Tala, one captain for mm-hmm. Chennai Super Kings, and it's Dhoni. Can you take a stab at a reasonable stab at his percentage, win-loss percentage? Considering he has won at least three IPLs, mm-hmm. um, I would say it's above 60 or 65 percent. That's a very good guess. It's 62 and a half percent. This is 62.64 percent. So 
this is a very reasonable record because when you look at maybe the other teams right mumbai indians maybe mm-hmm. um i don't know i mean i'm i'm also trying to look it up uh, simultaneously for mumbai indians so <coughs> all i'm trying to make a point i'm sorry about mm-hmm. that as i said i'm still a bit sick i'm recovering so if you look at mumbai indians right uh, sean pollock had a very good record but again rohit sharma who's captained mumbai indians 97 times even his record is 58% but that's still very close to 60 right mm-hmm. tendulkar had a reasonable record he had 58% as well mm-hmm. so all in all any person who uh, has captained consistently and well you would see his team performing well mm-hmm. and i think basically what i'm trying to lead up with all of these stats is to say that you know maybe it is time that you know rcb sort of thinks about a core reboot as they say mm-hmm. no? mm-hmm. a complete uh, rebuild of the team but it's in the middle of a season maybe it's a bit drastic you know in cricket in cricket at least like in our cricket we don't see this happening he's also the cricket of the indian captain of the indian cricket team i'm sorry so yeah. you you might not imagine that happening because you know the powers that be might be worried about his mental status for the world cup upcoming world cup and so on mm-hmm. no but, do you remember one more thing uh, uh, when uh, kolkata night riders were struggling gautam gambhir voluntarily stepped down it yeah, was a couple yeah. of seasons ago Yes, and I think yes. that there was also a case when Ricky Ponting was the captain of uh, Delhi Daredevils back then, if I'm not wrong, mm-hmm. and he also stood down as a captain when the team wasn't doing well. So, can we say Virat Kohli could do the same if he wants to do the same? That's another story. But would it, would that be a good idea for the team? You know, it might be. You know, Virat Kohli, the batsman, uh, the you know the world-beating batsman, might be what might be required for RCB mm-hmm. at this stage, not the captain as well. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, who would be who would be skipper in that team can, exactly. can you come up with any other name in that team well you if you go for a big name it's probably ab de villiers but is ab de villiers uh, a natural captain not according know. to me well no i mean his his captaincy record also has not been very great at the highest level right so mm-hmm. you know I, i was listening to kerala cricket commentary and they mentioned something very relevant they said virat kohli is a fantastic leader of men but not might might not be the best captain of a cricket team you know it's like maybe the tactical nows and maybe some of the other things that you would expect from a team captain whose team is struggling maybe it might not really be uh, kohli who's the right man what do you think about this i think uh, the very fact that ipl matches are played you know every other day i think three or four days you know, they have a match and it's probably not enough time for them to make a comeback you know uh, flush themselves out of this uh, you know all these four defeats and uh, come back with a different mindset i think it's probably difficult uh, and the very fact that uh, these matches also get over in 3 3 and a half hours it doesn't give him enough time to uh, you know make any changes immediately if you were if you were talking about test cricket there it's played across played over five days and three sessions each day so there is more time to uh, you know arrange your ideas and make some plans execute them but in t20 it all happens very quickly and maybe kohli is uh, is a better test captain than he is in t20 i think it might be a good idea to uh, look at himself uh, from deep within and then see if this is the right thing uh, that he uh, you know for him to do uh, but like like you said um, in the team in the current crop of uh, with the, you know with the current set of players who do you identify as the natural leader um somebody like moin ali i don't know moin ali he seems to have the experience uh, but 
what else? Well, I mean, Moirali is a good good choice, right? Mm-hmm. But um, do we really know if he has any captaincy experience? Does he really bring a great amount of captaincy experience? I'm not sure. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, uh, there are guys like uh, Team Saudi, uh, Colin de Grandhomme. Uh, who else? I mean, we have Parthiv Patel, of course. He's probably one of the more senior players in their team. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I can't think of, I can't really think of another guy who can actually replace Kohli as a skipper. So he might as well be forced to continue. Um, so it, it, it's um, it's probably getting into a situation where now it's uh, do or die for them. If they lose another one, they're probably, the season is probably gone for them. I think it's probably too difficult for them to make a comeback uh, if they lose the next match. Um, so, so shall we move on from this tragic conversation? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I think we should. Well, I mean, we can suggest some quick uh, improvements, you know, get Kohli to open, keep the batting consistent, keep the opening pair consistent and maybe look for the finishing also very consistent. Their middle order is very, very thin, right? That's something they have to check. That is something they have to change. So once all these are and of course, we know the ever-existing problem of a bowling lineup, almost a non-existing one. So, I mean, yeah, we can come up with some very obvious things. But as you say, maybe it has to be a change top-down. Maybe the captain has to change. But yeah, I mean, when I look at the squad, nobody really jumps out at me as a direct, you know, replacement. Tim Saudi might not be a bad idea at all because I think he has certain amount of nows, so to say. Mm-hmm. Maybe he might be, he could be a choice for us, uh, for our city event. <laughs> you, you had a point there, I think. Uh, or maybe, you know, uh, maybe somebody else can be given. Maybe Stoinis, I don't know. I don't Stoinis, I really don't know. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an option. Uh, okay, then. So maybe I think it's time we have to move on. So, okay. Uh, shall we now then discuss the other big, well, uh, the match from yesterday? Well, the other big upset, let me put it like this, right? Mm-hmm. The upset where, you know, Sam Curran took a hat-trick and uh, an incredible collapse from, uh, you know, Delhi Capitals. And they lost uh, seven wickets for eight runs. Did you follow this, Kiri? I only managed to catch uh, the match when uh, Rishabh Pant, you know, he hit a six before he uh, got out uh, from that moment on. So, I think it looked very comfortable for Delhi Capitals until Rishabh Pant got out. Uh, And after that... They kind of lost their way. I think Chris Morris was out uh, of a run out. Direct hit from Ashwin immediately. And then they lost uh, three wickets in quick succession after that. So it was pretty much... (laughs) It was like they were choking. I don't know why, but it seemed like they were choking. They still had it in the bag. Um, So Rishabh Pant, then Chris Morris, then uh, Colin Ingram... And then who was the other guy? Uh, he, he was caught behind and then they lost. Bihari, was it? Yeah. Bihari. Bihari, I think, was bold. Yeah. So there okay. was one guy who was out caught behind. I think it was uh, probably Mandeep Singh. Was it? Uh, I'm now checking the scorecard. So Colin Ingram, Rishabh Pant, Ayer probably. Ayer was bold as well. Who was caught behind? Harshal. Harshal, Harshal Patel. Patel. Harshal yeah. Patel. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, I mean, it, it was, look, it was a blind, blind panic. I keep telling you about what can happen when, you know, dressing rooms panic. Mm-hmm. There is no better example than this, you know. Even when Rishabh Pan got out, it was 23 balls, uh, 22 balls, 23 runs, something like this, and it was 18 of 18, right? So, all in all, for a, you know, you know over a 13-ball period or a 15-ball period for a team to have a complete meltdown like that, these are all professionals, right? Uh, 
I, if anything, you know, first of all, I would like to congratulate the Kings Eleven team for, uh, you know, re- retaining their uh, belief that they are not going to give up. They are not going to give up on this match and they are going to continue fighting. This is the first thing, right? And even they made sure they made them fight even for a single run here and there. Mm-hmm. And that that period was very important. I think, um, let's say, a uh, lot of credit goes to Mohammad Shami here. You know, Sam Curran sort of finished off the job, right? Even he bowled the last over, he took two wickets and it was therefore a hat-trick and so on and so on. But the guy who bowled the 19th over for me, Mohammad Shami, he had, I think, 19 runs to defend. And he did a fantastic job of just giving four runs. That's where they sort of choked. you know. And he also took two wickets in that over. So, mm-hmm. um, he was the one that really dealt those blows where Vihari was dismissed and uh, Pant was dismissed. right? Mm-hmm. So, for me, those were the real crucial blows. For me... The moment Pant got out, Colin Ingram and Chris Morris or somebody had to see a little bit of, take a little bit of time. Chris Morris was dismissed for a silly run out. It was almost like a schoolboy run out, right? And then by then the panic was fully setting in, right? Mm-hmm. This is an interesting thing. Also, I think uh, if you were to look at uh, seamers versus spinners, what do you think, Giri? Yeah, if you look at uh, the spinners that bowled for uh, Kings Eleven, um, so we had Ashwin and we had uh, Mujibur Rahman. And also the other Ashwin, Murugan Ashwin. These were the three uh, spinners. And they went for at least seven and a half uh, runs per over. But if you look at the seamers like Sam Curran, Mohammed Shami and uh, Hardas Viljoon, the South African uh, fast bowler, uh, these guys even managed to pick up wickets as well as concede less runs. So Sam Curran was incredible. He was four for 11 from 2.2 overs. Can you imagine that kind of a bowling uh, uh, figures for a bowler in T20 in IPL cricket? Match. Unbelievable. And <laughs> in today's match, Reyes Gopal took 3 for 12 in four completed overs. It's possible, but I mean, come on. I no, it doesn't happen every day. I mean, it, it's like uh, how many times do you get to see a T20 century? Uh, IPL. I think you may even actually see more uh, IPL centuries than you do than you do with uh, four fours. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. No, but also, of course, look, it was a hat-trick. It was a 4-4. So, it, it was very special. I'm just challenging you. But in a sense, I agree with you that, you know, it was a very good spell, right? But, I mean, one point, just a small counterpoint to what you mentioned. Ashwin, I think, um, Ravichandra Ashwin had a fantastic spell. I mean, it does not come across from his, uh, you know, you know, really, when you look at his analysis, it doesn't come across like that. But in the very first ball of the match, he dismissed Prithvi Shah. First of all, he brought himself on. And then he dismissed Prithvi Shaw in the very first ball of the match. Right? This is a good one. Mm-hmm. Then again, when they were completely set, sort of it, it all looked like, you know, Dhawan and uh, Iyer were simply carrying it away. Then in comes Ashwin. In the 10th over, he dismisses Shikhar Dhawan, the very first ball after the strategic break or some such. Right? That, that again was crucial. So he made a breakthrough at very crucial points. He, I mean, it looked like he was the only guy that was going to take wickets. So at that point in time, at the 10th over onwards, when uh, Dhawan was dismissed. So, it did not look like, you know, I think he took the wicket in the first over after the break rather than the first ball. So, but effectively, he took the wickets, very important wickets that sort of, he kept them in the game, let me put it like this. Around that time, you're probably right, you know, Mohammad Shami was getting switched on and I think Gerhardus Villion sort of also bowled some good uh, overs in between, even before the 10th over. And I think they made the difference. All in all, I can't disagree with you that it's indeed that, uh, you know, um, the seamers made all the difference, and Sam Curran seems to be some sort of a special entity. I would say, you know, he's all he's all a twenty man, you know. 
I think on Twitter I was seeing a picture of the, a very young angelic you know schoolboy Sam Curran with Chris Gale who looks like you know it could have been taken yesterday actually mm-hmm. he still looks like that angelic little schoolboy like guy but he has this burning passion within him you see it whenever he's on display whenever he's playing even in a test match you see that passion yeah. right yeah. it came through yesterday yeah right? yeah and i also noticed he was uh, bowling at a higher pace than he normally does he normally bowls in the mid 120s maximum but yesterday he was bowling those yorkers at high 130s 135 to 138 in this range so he, right. he was picking up more pace maybe it was just a short spell so he could afford to spend a bit more energy uh, yeah. but that pace i think made a lot of difference in uh, getting somebody like kahis or abara uh, mm-hmm. getting out uh, also sandeep lamichane these were bowlers you know they are not really such good batsmen um, so i think all those wickets that fell were bowled on the stumps uh, and i also saw uh, an interview uh, with uh, ryan harris the bowling coach of um, king's 11 um, the plan was initially not to bowl yorkers uh, and i think sam karan was talked about you know in the in the pre in the pre match brief and all these about what kind of lens they need to bowl at these batsmen there was a plan and sam karan ryan harris told that sam karan basically went against this plan and bowled those uh, fuller deliveries yorkers and uh, you know <laughs> you miss i hit deliveries basically uh, so he mm-hmm. reacted based mm-hmm. on the match situation that was very good i think i think presence of mind really uh, uh, helped him uh, you know Uh, achieved this uh, hat trick especially and he also didn't know it was a hat trick <laughs> right, right apparently until uh, ashwin reminded him of that when the last uh-huh. wicket fell so uh-huh. so he was so focused on getting those delhi capitals uh, uh, batsmen out that he forgot he was you know going to get a hat trick if he got the third wicket and uh, well done right. to him it's a good perform a great performance from him mm-hmm. well it's interesting because i mean you know uh, you're absolutely right that uh, it was a real special performance to pull that out of the fire they were sort of dead and buried and yeah. uh, it it's mostly a time when most people switch off and move on you know mm. so um yeah so basically yeah. delhi capitals choked right <laughs> yeah. i was sorry for that word actually i think uh, well given that they had a few uh, well i'm going to say it i mean i, I probably it's not a popular opinion they had a few south africans in the 11 so i mean i didn't want to mention it but uh, yeah it's, it's it's a fun point rather than a serious one right no but ingram and morris i think the way they got out uh, probably was uncalled for especially ingram i think because mm. rishabh pant had just been dismissed mm. and i think you mentioned this offline ingram should have stayed there until uh, the other guy vihari yeah. had got an eye in and uh, i think morris tried to finish the game uh, earlier Yeah, and didn't want to take it deep. Probably, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know why this why, why it happens with uh, South Africans usually. Yeah, uh, because if there was a Dhoni or if even there was uh, somebody like uh, I don't know, um, somebody Maybe. like uh, you know uh, Stoinis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have taken it deep. Uh, no, it's but, mostly common sense actually. So hmm. it's mostly about not getting too eager. I think. I mean, if anything. Mm-hmm. that might be one of the reasons why certain you know players sort of perform better than the others mm-hmm. so i think i heard an interview from bevan once so it's mm-hmm. prolonging a point but i'll make it quick mm-hmm. he said it's about even hasi said it so i have heard both of them mention the same thing it's about completely eliminating risk mm-hmm. you just identify that i'm not going to play a single risky shot if i hit to cover i get a single if i hit to long run i get a single if i hit to square leg i get a single that's it 
right mm-hmm. and i'm only going to hit there no matter where the ball is as long as i can hit it to one of these places i'm going to hit it there right so it's about eliminating risk completely and understanding that in this case it's it's like you know the more you take from one side the other side grows stronger and so what i mean is as and when the runs decrease if it were to become 5 of 5 or 6 of 6 you know for mm-hmm. sure you'll hit a boundary yeah yeah it's about getting to that point because it Absolutely. was only run up all. so mm-hmm. it's about not sort of looking to finish it too soon and becoming too eager to wrap it up you know you realize yeah. it's not a situation where you might block a couple of balls you might even give a half a maiden or even a whole maiden mm-hmm. away it will still not so bad is what you have to realize but mm-hmm. that that calm you know dhoni has it in the modern times not a lot of players bring that sort of a calm you know mm. you have to go in almost into yourself they say absolutely yeah the whole world vanishes and they you. they almost they had the same situation in the previous match delhi capitals against uh, kolkata night riders and uh, which ended in a super over and luckily for them uh, rabada was able to uh, you know defend the 10 runs that they had to exactly uh, they could have won it fair and square Uh, but they made a mess in the chase again delhi capitals in that match and they did the same here and this time they were not so lucky so they paid for their uh, they, they paid a price for their uh, you know <laughs> choking so to speak but uh, well it might be a mental frailty that you know the coaches are probably looking to address in the upcoming mm, days i'm weeks. sure they will yeah so all right okay and uh, well i mean to be frank I- while we were sort of discussing this i couldn't resist myself and i was now looking at the squad of royal challengers bangalore <laughs> and who could be a possible oh. captain no right. no let's <laughs> all right no it's mind. more painful here yeah. no, no go no, ahead go I ahead mean, i can already suggest that the middle order can be bolstered there is okay. washington sundar and there is heinrich klassen right? okay instead of shivam dubey and maybe you know i have nothing against these people akshdeep nath you can probably bring heinrich klassen in for example right mm-hmm. but when it comes to uh, really when it comes to captaincy material team saudi has captained uh, new zealand in uh, t20s i think right outside of that i mean there is the cupboard is pretty much bare you have to go back to abd villiers so that is really still a problem right mm-hmm. so i think i think they did not choose a very balanced sort of a lineup mm-hmm. maybe you know they did not choose too many people who could back kohli in the field you know this is a given thing that Kohli requires a bit of help from somebody like Dhoni. They say Kohli is a better captain in one day or simply because of Dhoni being there, right? Mm-hmm. Because Dhoni has a naturally sort of a restrictive mindset. It sort of held him back in test matches, but he's a one of the best one day captains around, right? Or limited hours mm-hmm. captains around because mm-hmm. that's how a limited hours game is played, right? So mm-hmm. there, I think uh, Kohli is a much better captain with somebody like Dhoni or even DK behind the stumps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not able to get that feedback in this team. It's usually a Rahul or a Parthiv mm-hmm. Patel or somebody because that really helps. Usually in a in a team, if you are mm-hmm. a captain, usually the vice captain, the nominated vice captain might be A, B, C, D, anybody mm-hmm. else in the team. But usually the keeper is very important. Yeah. So the feedback yeah, yeah. from the keeper always counts for a lot because yeah. this guy sees the cricket from the batsman's perspective, right? He's right behind mm-hmm. the batter in most cases. So yeah. that, that's one of the things I think he misses in this team. So anyway, but this is a longer, longer discussion. Maybe we can make a special feature out of it if they continue. Yes, we might as well do it. I think. Uh, now, the one last point before we move on to the next topic. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I saw an interview of Sangakara who was doing an analysis of RCB team, uh, and he said that they haven't done well in the auction. They picked somebody like Shimron Hetmyer, who is mm-hmm. uh, he's a bit of a charismatic player, I understand, but. Uh, if he doesn't do well then it's probably nothing so they they don't have a core strength uh, 
uh, I think you also highlighted this earlier. Uh, somebody like uh, Rahul, KL Rahul, he was part of this squad a couple of years ago and then they let him go to Kings Eleven, yeah. And now he's prospering there quite well and he's also the keeper batsman there. Mm-hmm. So he brings a different balance. And Sangakara pointed out that the main problem here is they don't have a local uh, you know, group of players who are actually from Karnataka and the local region. So right. they right. probably need to have local strength and then add uh, these additional foreign players. They ca- you cannot build your team around a foreign player or around you know a couple of talismanic players like Kohli uh, uh, and uh, Abidulias. They need some workhorses also in the team, some consistent performers, which they lack. Yeah. And, uh, you, it's been happening for the last few years now, and I don't know when this will be will be addressed. Hope it all changes. You know, I hope I am proved wrong. Mm-hmm. But uh, we will see how it goes. I think we'll, we'll pretty much uh, talk about their next match, hopefully in better spirits. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be frank with you, also, I agree that, you know, the season is not over. They have 10 more matches left. That's, you know, they say if you win more than half the number of matches, you're in a decent position. If you win 7 plus, 7 plus, 8 plus matches, you're in a decent position to qualify for the next round. So, mm-hmm. but that that's still a superhuman effort from here. But it's mathematically possible. That's all I can say. Right. Let's see how it goes. You're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, we can go on. We can beat this a bit more. I think we have to move on. Right. Uh, let's take a quick look at the fifth ODI that happened uh, over the weekend mm-hmm. uh, where Australia comfortably wrapped up a final victory. Right. So if you were to look at the statistical highlights from the match. Right. So um, in this match, because it was a, almost a decider for both the teams, let me say. The series was finished, but both teams had pride to play for. So, Pakistan won the toss and they elected to field first. So, this match was played in uh, Dubai back in, back again. So, uh, it was a sort of a weird uh, decision knowing that previously in Dubai, they had uh, chosen to bat first here. They chose to field first. It was interesting. But knowing that the Australian uh, batting was sort of top heavy and the top order was doing really well, it was a strange decision. But... Well, it backfired because Usman Khwaja and uh, Aaron Finch with contrasting but very good 50s made sure that Australia got off to a very strong start. So, Finch got out at 134, but they were scoring at more than 6 and over. So, that meant that um, there was never any scoreboard pressure on this team. That meant, you know, Khwaja sort of consolidated comfortably even after Finch was dismissed for a 53. Uh, he got out for a 98, he couldn't get to 100, but this has been a landmark series for him again. It's in Asian conditions, but he's done really well. It's very tough to sort of see anybody else open for Australia in the World Cup, I guess. That's one point. But he was very well supported by, uh, you know, Sean Marsh and Glenn Maxwell. So, Sean Marsh did the consolidation, and by the time Glenn Maxwell walked in, it was almost like the, you know, uh, the 40th over almost. And he, he was sort of perfectly set up. So he went after the bowling and he made us 33 ball 70, just exactly what he's uh, mm-hmm. primed up to. And uh, Marcus Tornis, uh, who was who's now with RCB, uh, and Peter Hanscom, and the rest of them tried to boost the total a little. They tried to play around uh, Maxwell. But, well, Australia got a very competitive 327 for 7. And on that pitch, it was probably 25 runs comfortably beyond par. And that's what happened in the end. The really disappointing thing for Pakistan was their fast bowlers, their, let's say, the second string of fast bowlers, they have chosen to not play... Fahim Ashraf, uh, Hassan Ali, who would be probably automatic picks to see, you know, who else ma, between Mohammad Amir, Junaid Khan, Mohammad Abbas, you know, any of these people and Usman Shinwari, who would put up their hand. Only Usman Shinwari has been consistent and even in this match, he took a 4-4, four, four, he took a 4-49. Four for 49. Outside of that, Junaid Khan got wickets, but uh, Mohammad Abbas and everybody has been completely, you know, not very good. And also Yasir Shah, who was tried out 
as maybe an option as an outside bet for going to uh, the world cup probably he did not do himself any favors at all here then when it came to their batting i think they started very strongly they lost abid ali of the first ball but uh, you know shan masood and haris sohel put up a very strong performance so they added a 100 run partnership and then shan masood was out for a 50 but haris sohel was the real star for pakistan in this match because he made a 130 at run a ball and then he was supported for uh, various points in time you know rizwan supported him with a 12 umar akmal had a run a ball 43 but i was really hoping umar akmal converts this to an 80 or a 70 just like what maxwell was able to do at the end but he couldn't and then imad wasim the captain came out and belted a 50 but by then it was already too late and pakistan lost by 20 runs so when it comes to bowling again the spinners glen maxwell uh, was rightly chosen the, as the man of the match because he took 1 for 45 in 10 overs in addition to his 70 and then of course lion took a 1 for 50 zampa was a bit costly but in this match he had the bandwidth because glen maxwell and lion had bowled so well and uh, in among the fast bowlers jason berendorf has been doing really well Uh, he's been very consistent he doesn't bowl as fast as maybe a ken richardson or a you know nathan coulter nail or one of these guys but he's very consistent and he took 3 for 63 in this match so all in all well um, aaron finch was picked as the man of the series and as i already mentioned maxwell was the man of the match but overall you know pakistan probably had a few boxes to tick and or a few things to think about some uh, they were really looking at their bench strength and i don't think none of, none of those things none of the things they wanted to really pick up on was really answered so another small thing you know umar akmal uh, he's been uh, chosen he's been given a chance of nearly a year and a half but at the end of the fourth match it looks like he broke team curfew and attended an akon concert in dubai and he was he was actually identified from his instagram snaps or his instagram posts by the team management and he was fined 20% of his match fee of the fifth match so this guy doesn't seem to learn i guess because he's such a such a talented guy he is he's done, he's done a reasonable job in this uh, you know tournament but there are no ground breaking 50s or 100s either for him you know uh, anything to add about uh, umar akmal's uh, interesting uh, list of uh, misdemeanors kiri no i think uh, he's is is not done himself any favor there i think he is yeah. now 28 he's not really on the uh he, he cannot be excused for being young anymore he should be a bit more responsible agreed uh, rules are rules uh, yeah. and uh, he, you know we remember that he had a fallout with uh, mickey arthur back mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. and then the see the two the both of them have seemed to have moved on from that and mickey arthur i think has given him another chance yeah um but if he needs to be a part of this uh, team in world cup and mm-hmm. also do well there i think he needs to uh, he needs to uh, be disciplined a little more i think he needs a, a bit of a whip and then be told this is what you need to do and uh, you know somebody needs to speak to him and you know kind of speak to him like a big brother and then say this is what you need to do and this is what you can't do because exactly. you're no i mean if you look at this acon incident it's, it's it's a lack of clarity i mean you could have already if you knew you had booked the tickets you could have clearly communicated to the team management and ask for an exception right I, and probably they would have said no that's something mm-hmm. you have to take it in your stride yeah right why do you go there then make some instagram posts and be caught i mean it's it's almost childish for me but anyway i mean i don't want to go too much into it unless you want to of course <laughs> no so, no but uh, another thing i want to highlight here is uh, i think pakistan's batting didn't look so bad although they couldn't finish some matches there i think mm-hmm. one of the chases could have been done the yeah. the fourth odi i think was 
possible for them they just did not make it towards the end yeah. but looking at the number of centuries that the pakistani scored here i think there were two by rizwan one by abid ali the debutant back then mm-hmm. and then one in the last match by hari sohel i think hari sohel uh, scored too there were 500s in this year. 500s okay so yeah. these three guys basically scored hundreds for pakistan and all mm-hmm. of them were in a losing cause basically right, right, so right. So if the others don't turn up, this is what happens. If the other batsmen don't support these people who actually score centuries, if they don't have a long partnership, mm-hmm. I think in the end they are bound to suffer. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Rizwan, one of his hundreds, he was one of the last people out in that chase where they failed narrowly by six runs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So he was also sort of culpable there. But I mean, let's not go into that. But at the end of the day, I agree. Probably individual efforts were there, but team efforts was missing for Pakistan's perspective, right? And probably they are no closer to identifying, look, Shaheen Shah, Afridi is probably picked himself for the World Cup squad. And I think probably Hassan Ali and Fahim Ashraf are also sort of nailed on. But there still is a room for probably one or two fast bowlers there because Fahim Ashraf and, uh, can, can be counted as an all-rounder if I'm not wrong. So between Junaid Khan, Mohammad Amir and Usman Shinwari, probably one, of the, one or two bowlers would still be picked. Maybe Amir really hasn't helped his case here. That's another thing I felt. You know, I, I was also listening to Down the Ground podcast. They were doing a review and I think they came up with a similar sort of an analysis. But they felt because he's a co- coach pet or some such, he might still be picked. Because Junaid Khan has a bad record of getting injured at, at all the wrong times in his career, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So maybe something that might still work for Amir's, Amir. But uh, it remains to be seen. So all in all, maybe... If, if there are any positives for sort of Rizwan sort of nailing his position as the backup keeper, probably, and Hari Sohail sort of putting his hand up as a middle-order uh, spot, you know, that was good for them. Because when Baba Razan comes back and Sarfaz Ahmed comes back, this middle-order will not be so weak. Also with Shoyam Malik in there, right? So, yeah, plenty of things to discuss. But all in all, I think Pakistan will be terribly disappointed that they could not even take one match of Australia. And for the rest of the teams that are, you know, in the World Cup, this is a real, you know, a real... A real big announcement from Australia. They've they've won eight matches on the bounce, three against India and eight uh, five against Pakistan in nation conditions. So they're sort of peaking at the right time. You can add Mitchell Stark and a couple of other people to this team, and they become really dangerous. So yeah, something for us to discuss when we go into a bit more into Australia's chances in the World Cup, I guess, in one of the upcoming episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, let's come to the meat of this podcast. I think we've spent a lot of uh, time on the smaller topics today, but let's now look at the meat of this podcast. It, today, uh, for the World Cup 2019 preview, we have chosen Sri Lanka as the team, right? So, Sri Lanka is a very, very proud and a very, you know, uh, very well-known team out there. At least when it comes to one dayers, I think everybody remembers their 1996 World Cup victory, right, Kiri? That uh, very famous victory in Lahore, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if I were to look at their performances over the years, so they have played 63 matches. I'm only looking at the World Cups, of course, right? So they have, first of all, played in every World Cup so far. This is the first thing. Then they have played 63 matches. They have won 29 and lost 31 matches. There's one tied match and two no results. And their best result is, of course, the 1996 win. Who can forget that, right? And then I think at that point in time, they were ahead of the curve. The Sri Lankan team was so far ahead of the curve that... They were sort of playing a brand of cricket, one-day cricket at least, that no other team was playing. As a, as a result, they were comfortable victors in that tournament because they had this pinch hitter. They had a, sometimes a spinner opening the bowling, a pinch hitter like Jaisuriya and Kaluvitharana opening the batting. They had a st- very strong middle order. They had Asanka Gurusinha, 
who was at one drop and the, you have ranatunga and arvinda de silva was i mean certified really world class these people so and also they had some very interesting you know bowlers then of course they had chaminda vas and dharmasena and all of these people and muralidharan was always there right so this was a very strong team that won the 1996 world cup but in general if you were to look at you know their world cup statistics uh, they have had you know uh, about 9 10 captains so far so uh, i think varnapura Uh, Bandula Varnapura, I think he captained only one match and won it, right? Outside of that, uh, if you look at their captaincy, I think Jayawardhan had a very strong captaincy record. He played, he captained Sri Lanka in 11 matches and won eight. So did uh, Ranatunga. He captained Sri Lanka in 11 matches and won eight. Um, you had, uh, I think, uh, Dulip Mendes, who has probably the worst record that way. and of course uh, anera tenukun who was the captain in the 75 and the 79 world cup i think he had uh, i think anura tenukun sorry so he he um, <clears throat> he played he captained for four matches and did not win a single match and the next worst is dulip mendes who captained sri lanka in 12 matches in world cups and won only a single match and lost 11 outside of that you have somebody like sanaj jayasurya who uh captain 10 matches but you know won five but lost four and then you have sangakkara who captain nine and won six for example and of course arvinda de silva as well who doesn't have a very glamorous captaincy record the last captain in the 2015 world cup was angelo matthews he has captained his team in seven world cup matches and won four and lost three more or less a 50% sort of a record i think it it looks to be seen who will be the captain of sri lanka going into this world cup because there are all sorts of rumors going on because uh, lasit malinga did not do a very good job in his last nine matches in charge i think he's lost all nine right maybe they're saying dimut karuna ratna may come back but you know this guy this guy has another story i think we can get into it at towards the end of sri lanka's world cup fortunes so um now if you were to look at their most successful batsman of course kumar sangakkara is right on top out of 37 matches he has scored 15 32 runs at an average of 56 and he has 500s right next best is jayasurya and then of course Tilak Ratne Dilshan and Jayawardene. There are no surprises in the top four there. Uh, surpri- the only surprise, if anything, is De Silva is a bit low. He's fifth. But then uh, what has to be remembered is um, De Silva was, um, you know, he was playing in an era where the team was very weak. So maybe first two or three World Cup, he was not very, um, you know, his his performances might not have been so strong uh, as they were in the '96 World Cup and the '99 World Cup. right mm-hmm. then when you look at their bowlers the top bowlers there are no surprises there at all the top two are muralidharan and vas right so muralidharan playing in 40 matches took uh, 68 wickets this is like a ridiculous record only the only guy who was better record than him is we already discussed this is glen megra right and then of course vas uh, played in 31 matches and took 49 wickets malinga and dilshan uh, some of these new players so malinga is the only one who's in the top 5 currently so he has played 22 matches and has taken 43 wickets and um, you know of these current players uh, you have uh, parera tisara parera who's played in 10 matches and taken 13 and angelo matthews who's played in 15 matches and taken 12 wickets kulasekara was one of the other people as well but i don't see them samira has played two matches right so when you look at it overall even when in, when you look at current batsmen angelo matthews has played 15 matches and has scored 289 runs at an average of 36 Tirumanna surprisingly has a very good world cup batting average so he has a batting average of 50 and he scored more runs than Angelo Matthews even in just seven matches right mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that's about it nobody really stands out 
and nobody really stands out there so this entire let's say the world cup squad that they would get to choose would have a chance to make a name for themselves more or less let me put it like this so before we really move on i think we should spend a minute quickly looking at that wonderful match for sri lanka the 1996 world cup final the wills world cup right so uh, they batted uh, they bowled first of course sorry they won the toss and bowled first and australia were inserted and uh, in lahore where the match was played uh, they restricted australia to 241 for 7 in 50 overs as was their uh, want in those days they wanted to chase right so they had pramodaya vikramasinghe and was opening the bowling and then they had muralidharan dharmasena jayasurya and of course arvinda de silva so surprisingly the best bowler in the world cup final was arvinda de silva who took 3 wickets for 42 right and when it came to batting again he came out to bat and he scored 100 right so what cannot be forgotten is their uh, famed opening batting pair failed in the final jayasurya and kalavithrana got out for under 10 each and then asanka gurusena sort of laid the platform he absorbed a lot of pressure he scored at 65 and he comfortably sort of built a big partnership with de silva who scored 100 but then once gurusena was out ranatunga came out and he hit out so they comfortably took the match with almost four overs to spare and you know with just three wickets down there was nothing much to write home about you know paul rifle uh, also played in the 1996 world cup final right i think we were discussing this offline giri mm-hmm. but really there was not a lot to write home about there for the bowling so you know arvinda de silva finished as the player of the match of the final and of course sanjay jayasurya was uh, voted as the uh player of the series of 1996 so just a quick recap of that wonderful match for them and i think they'll want to recap this again and again so um <clears throat> going forward maybe we can take a quick look at uh, their you know uh proposed squad i think we were discussing this and i think uh, you've come up with a very good list kiri would you like to introduce uh, to us the 15 that you think you know the probable well, for shilang mm, well i think this was a team effort firstly right. um so so we need 15 players uh, for the squad which makes to the world cup and according to us we have a set of 15 players alongside uh, them we also have five additional players who could be uh, who could also have an outside chance okay uh-huh, uh-huh. so here are the openers that we can think of um, taranga niroshan dikvella mm-hmm. and then uh, dimut karunaratna if karunaratna makes it to the squad Uh, notwithstanding uh, his latest uh, you know adventure all right yeah, yeah. um if he doesn't make it then probably gunatilaka has an outside chance uh, to fill in for that uh, openers position right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are the, the openers uh, the middle order will be strengthened by the return of angelo matthews um kusal mendes uh, and of course kusal pereira who can also keep wickets you know Uh, mm-hmm. so he could act as a backup keeper so is kusal mendes but i don't think he keeps on a regular basis anymore right right we also have oshada fernando um because of his uh, you know g- good form when he was playing in south africa uh, in that series the recently concluded series um we have of course dananjay de silva who can bowl a bit of off spin uh, as well he will be a good addition although you know we kind of agree with each other that he should be up there Uh, towards the top of the middle order rather than the bottom of the middle order right, right. um then of course we have the all rounders um tisara perera with his uh, left hand uh, uh, hard hitting uh, along with uh, his uh, right arm medium pace um we have isuru udana 
who kind of single handedly won them a couple of matches last time around the T20s mm-hmm. in South Africa so he can bowl uh, as well as bat so he's uh, a potential all rounder uh, to fill in for that spot um we then have akila dananjaya who is a spinner uh we also have uh, mendes mhm kamindu mendes also yeah. a spinner yeah um but if kamindu mendes would not make it to the squad we think uh sandakan uh, could take his spot so we we're not sure who will make that uh, spot but i we think it is still kamindu mendes at this right. at this moment mm-hmm. and then of course we uh, arrive at the seamers uh, the uh, pacemen Mm-hmm. The senior pro, um, Lasit Malinga, should be there, according to us. Uh, so should be uh, Lahiru Kumara, and then um, uh, with his, uh, you know, uh, Nipi pace should be uh, Dushmanta Chamira. So these yeah. are the three seamers. Yeah. However, if uh, for some reason Lahiru Kumara does not make it, we think Suranga Lakmal should take that spot. Mm-hmm. and similarly if uh, dushmanta chamira cannot make it for any reason nuan pradeep uh, could be a potential replacement right. so we have 15 and then 5 so 20 players but we are pretty sure our 15 is more or less what it should like um so we've also posted this on twitter uh, so we would yeah. like you to guys uh, you guys to have a look and then uh, react on this um so we will also put it put it on facebook so please uh, write to us with your feedback and also let us know what you feel about this right yeah so i'll just throw a spanner in the works kiri because uh, why not we right? like doing that right yes <laughs> so you know angelo matthews we can't see really the squad being picked without angelo matthews and his experience right mm-hmm. he'll be playing his third world cup etc etc but for whatever reason if he's not available and the selectors are not inclined towards chandimal right because i think chandimal has fallen uh, severely out of favor from the with the selectors for whatever reasons we don't know right so <clears throat> uh, we sort of expect that you know matthews will play and maybe we we expect maybe chandimal might be his backup but that's not a problem but what if both of them can't make it then you know they have tried a couple of pereiras in the middle order right angelo pereira priyamal pereira one of these might make it that's that's the only reason why they were probably trying them out in south africa but for me it would be a real real mistake if they were to not choose angelo matthews in the squad not not least uh, that he can bowl a few overs maybe that's not even really important but he's toured england multiple times he's gone there to play tests he's gone there to play multiple other tournaments so his experience would be invaluable for this 11 right mm. so the only other talking point of course is then let's come quickly to the skipper who would be the skipper of the squad because there is no one person here who skip who's already chosen as a skipper unless they want to go back to matthews and mm. probably matthews will say no thank you right so that leaves probably you know uh, given that malinga did not really do well we hear that he may have fall, fallen out of favor as well as a skipper right because he's captain sri lanka and nine odis and lost all nine of them that's not a good record right so indeed mm-hmm. taranga could be one of the skip, skipper choices you're absolutely you know uh, you have a good point when you say taranga could be a good idea he could be one of the choices for us captain otherwise you know karuna ratna dimut karuna ratna who read uh, who led sri lanka to a test match victory in south africa clean sweep mm-hmm. he could be inducted into the squad because he can be a backup opener and as a captain but then let's quickly go through what he has done recently so it's come to notice that yesterday he was arrested for a dui driving under the influence uh, offense and his license has been suspended right 
so probably the sri lankan board might not take too kindly to this and uh, they may want to you know impose their own some sort of a sanction here that would mean it's not a good thing so maybe then taranga would probably be chosen as a skipper unless they want to go ahead they want to choose somebody who's new either the kusal parera or kusal mendes one of these two people could be sort of given the responsibility right nldc parera that is tisara parera has been tried and he's not been successful he's also an ex skipper so they may go in with a fresh mindset so just some names i'm throwing out what do you think giri yeah that's a fair point um i i still don't know why chandimal was left out of this uh, squad you know uh, after south africa so it's still a big question mark and if he does make a return to the squad uh, will he make it back to the squad that's another question mark and if he does he would be the natural uh, choice for a captain although the, the current you know the, the the record that he has in the uh, preceding these uh, you know tournaments is not so good but i think he might well be the natural choice for a captain there um, right. but yeah I, i don't know i mean this is still a big question mark right we haven't heard anything uh, about his return so w- when do they publish this uh, squad do you, do you know i think uh, april 23rd is the deadline. the deadline yeah yeah so most teams will need to pra- announce their squads by then so i mean while we are going through this some of the teams may already be announcing their squads so i think it's fine let's see how that goes so i mean for me look um yes i think he may have fallen out of favor for some other reasons which are not obvious or which might not be made obvious to the rest of the public right we don't know because i would expect chandimal would be chosen in the squad at least for the t20s or at least for the one dayers if he were to be in the picture mm. for the world cup but mm. given that he's not at all chosen that gives me the idea maybe he's really fallen out of favor and maybe he will have will have to earn his way back right so yeah and that's that that's a good uh, i think that's a reasonably good discussion now let's quickly go back to the matches that sri lanka will play and what we think or whom we think will uh, be victors in their matches so giri maybe you would like to take us through this again right <laughs> no pressure um so the um, they play their first match against uh, new zealand at cardiff um i expect new zealand to win this knowing that the previous tour uh, that they had in new zealand sri lanka tour in new zealand was yeah pretty much one sided but i think new zealand should pull this off so let's say new zealand uh, the next match they play is against afghanistan uh, i still think sri lanka will do well here so sri lanka is expected to win uh, against afghanistan um pakistan against sri lanka the next match uh, this is going to be a close context contest um like we like we discussed uh, pakistan pretty much played their bench strength uh, in the recently concluded series against australia in uh, in united arab emirates mm-hmm. if they do come up come i mean if if the full strength is you know resumes to uh, play then i think pakistan will be a force to be reckoned with so i will go with pakistan in this case um bangladesh against sri lanka this will be a close one this will really be a close one right i'm going to say bangladesh will pull it off right so mm-hmm. i will say bangladesh uh sri lanka then play against uh, australia at the oval uh mm-hmm. australia will i think be a bit too strong for sri lanka on this occasion right we'll go with australia mm-hmm. um the next match will be at uh, leeds headingly uh england will play against sri lanka and i think england being the number one side they are in the world right now so england should be able to pull this off mm-hmm. 
The next match is against uh, South Africa. Um, uh, I think South Africa will be able to win against uh, Sri Lanka, considering how badly Sri Lanka were you know, in the recent uh, uh, series against South Africa in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, the next match will be against West Indies. This will be a close contest. I think Sri Lanka and West Indies probably weigh the same on the balance. Right. Um, I will go with West Indies for this one. Right. Yeah, right. I will go with West Indies. And Sri Lanka and India. I expect India to win this. Uh-huh. So, Man. I, guess I gave Sri Lanka no chance, did I? You gave them one. <laughs> yeah, okay, just one. Well, this is even worse than Bangladesh. Okay, let's see. I mean, the, 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 let it be like this. I think one All right. uh, amongst nine matches. Okay. I think, I think. I mean, okay, I'm going to disagree with you on a couple of matches there. Sure. So, Afghanistan, I agree. Sri Lanka will beat them. Out of Pakistan and uh, West Indies, Sri Lanka will beat one of them, is my prediction. Right? And believe me, between the top three or four teams, Sri Lanka will surprise one of them. So, my prediction is, so out of England, Australia, South Africa and India, you can include New Zealand. So, then I would say, by the way, Sri Lanka will win four out of their nine matches. This is my prediction. And I am going to say they are going to beat Afghanistan. They are going to beat, uh, uh, sorry, who do I say? Yeah, West Indies, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I am going to say they are going to probably surprise two other teams out of these other five. New Zealand, uh, Pakistan, um, England, uh, India, and uh, Australia, and South Africa, let's say. So, I have a feeling they are going to win four. I am going to stick my neck out. So, they are are big pedigree. Uh, teams, uh, they, they, they are big uh, tournament pedigree teams. So, mm-hmm. I have a feeling they will somehow get all their act together, you know. And okay, they have a bit of a bad luck that their last four matches they play against the four tough teams, of which only probably West Indies take. We both give them a chance. Mm-hmm. So, if they peak at the right point in time, they may actually surprise New Zealand, right? And Pakistan, they're very mercurial. And maybe because it's sort of in already the second week of the tournament, Pakistan might already be firing. But if not, Sri Lanka may surprise them as well. So, uh, there is still a chance three to four matches they are able to win. But based on both our predictions, we don't see them making it to the knockouts. Is that right, Kiri? Yeah, I think we agree on that. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Uh, That might be a very tough thing, unless some net run rate issues come into it or something. So, I was listening to a couple of pundits and a couple of other podcasts, right? Sort of everybody gives uh, India and England an even chance of making the semi-final. So, they... Mostly say, you know, England will make the semi-final and India will make the semi-final. The other two spots are up for grabs. I'm, I'm going to be a bit harsh here, but maybe, you know, if given India's fortunes in the, against the series against Australia, we'll have to see if they're able to shake themselves off and sort of become the beast that they were, let's say, six months ago as a one-day team. So, it looks interesting. England are probably nailed on for a semi-final spot. Uh, I will probably nail down the last four predictions towards the end of this, uh, you know, set of episodes. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, okay, moist. I'll leave it open. Mm-hmm. All right, then. That was a really nice uh, discussion, Gary. Thanks a lot. I think um, now let's quickly look at some of the other topics that we have, right? So, um, first of all, the important topic is as of 1st of April, again, it's the time of the year where the test maze is handed over to the number one ranked team. So, congratulations to the Indian test team. They are, again, for the third year in a row, the number one ranked test match team in the world. 
So they get a 1 million euro bonus from, uh, of course, ICC. But also, I think uh, they were eight points ahead of the next best team, which is New Zealand. So, and that was deservedly so. You know, if you look at their results over the last last year or so, you know, they beat Australia at home. They beat Afghanistan in a one-off test. And of course, they beat West Indies 2-0, right? But the really the point of, uh, let's say, the pain for Indian test match fans for that they lost 4-1 in England. And that, that result was really not at all indicative of how competitive that series was. But in spite of all this, they have done enough to be the world number one team in tests. So congratulations to Virat Kohli again. He says that it's the depth in the squad, you know, and that <clears throat> the professionalism that they have, that is what he really gives credit for. And I think next year it's going to be a much, much tougher com- competition. I think um, Australian team and England team, because they play the Ashes, um, it, it's going to be an interesting one. And New Zealand are still at number two, right? They're slowly but surely pulling the lead that India had built up down. So very, very, uh, not very long ago, India had 11, 12 point lead. Now it's just eight. So they're sort of dragging it down, right? So, but of course, uh, I think uh, as always, New Zealand are outperforming. So it looks like, you know, um, <clears throat> New Zealand's uh, performances are sl- slowly gaining a bit of uh, momentum. But I think in this case, probably India is doing really well simply because of their fast bowling. So, you know, this is something I think me and uh, Giri were sort of talking about it offline. But I think the fast bowling that India has probably had the best fast bowling in a really long time. That's made them, you know, be number three um, or like thrice in a row, number one in the world, right? This is a very good thing for the Indian test team. So that's a very good point to bring up. The next one I would say uh, is that, uh, you know, Jofra Archer is uh, rumored to be, you know, uh, given a chance. So this is, these are all on some sites like Crick Tracker. This is not any official announcement, but uh, somebody like Jofra Archer you know, might be given a chance to play in the ODI series against Pakistan that England will play. He might be given a chance to push for a World Cup spot. This is a, he might be given like a chance as an outsider, right? So this is one thing that uh, we have heard. Then, you know, uh, the other news that has come up that's sort of important that we can mention is, I don't know, Yunus Khan has been appointed as the Pakistan's under-19 coach. So this is a bit old, already two weeks old, but it's a very relevant comment and a very relevant thing to say because I think uh, somebody like this should really be in charge of the up-and-coming players for a player, for a team. His record stands and speaks for itself. And of course, his, his work ethic, we have already discussed multiple times across many episodes. We are big fans of Yunus Khan and Mr. al and uh, this guy would be a very good, you know, sort of a person to be in charge of the under-19 team. So, yeah, so the <clears throat> so the report says that uh, he is, uh, you know, uh, not only going to be the coach, but also he will have selectorial, uh, you know, rights or let's say he'll have some selectorial inputs as well. So uh, he's already like uh, probably going to be anointed as the chief selector of the National Junior Selection Committee is what we read. And Nadim Khan will probably, who's also a former test match player, will be appointed as a manager. This is what the announcement said, right? So uh, after this, uh, it looks like, you know, uh, they might after all be following in the path of somebody like India who chose to put Dravid as uh, the coach of the under-19 team and sort of the the feeding, uh, the conveyor belt of uh, players that is being fed into the national setup. Somebody like the Dravid made a big difference, I think. As a result, I think somebody like Yunis Khan also in the upcoming years, we'll see this 
we'll see this difference that what Yunus Khan can make for the uh, Pakistani team, right? Okay. So having said all that, I think the, there's one small, you know, funny, funny sort of a tweet that we hear. Um, we hear that ICC has been tweeting a lot of gags for the April 1st or April Fool's Day. And well, they, they came up with a bunch of very interesting suggestions on how they would conduct the World Test Championships. They said they would put the players' Instagram uh, account and as well as their numbers on their shirts, for example. They came up with a multiple set of uh, funny suggestions. But the one that I felt was not only funny, but might even be realistic is that uh, one of the things they said was when, you know, when two teams are tied on points in the upcoming World Test Championship, maybe away runs can be the tiebreaker between the two teams. So when you look at it, uh, that that's a very good uh, that's a very good point. Maybe you know uh, that 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 need not be a gag. It can be real. It can be really used. You know maybe awareness is a real good idea of uh, making a decision on which team needs to finish uh, above another. Right. These are all the topics from our others section. All right then. The next uh, thing that remains is the trivia question for this week. So the trivia question for this week is, uh, as you may have already guessed, our trivia question is always very closely related to the team we discuss in our, uh, you know, World Cup review or one of the other sections. So if you have pay, if you have been paying attention, this is a really easy question. We, I think, mentioned the name of this player a couple of times, but who knows? Eh? Pay attention. So who is the only player to have played in an ODI World Cup final and later adjudicated a final also as an umpire? So do write in to us. You can either reach out to us using our Twitter handle at armchairfitpod or using our Facebook page, you know, or you could write in to us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com, right? And then, you know, you could also write in to us with your general thoughts and queries. And then uh, when you look at it, uh, you can also write in to us if you want to, you know, participate as a guest in one of our podcasts. Do get in touch with us. Right. We have uh, more very interesting episodes lined up. We will be reviewing other teams. You know, we are sort of going uh, ascending in our chances, or we are going uh, in the ascending list of teams uh, that we think will win the world, win the World Cup. So the last two or three weeks, we think, will be the the teams that are real, you know, uh, front runners as far as we are concerned. So do t- stay tuned in. Right. So uh, having said all that, uh, that's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Goodbye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.